three, two, one. <laughs> Is that a storm? Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. You're listening to Post-Christian <laughs> Pastors. Here we go. <coughs> Coffee. That'll be fun. Yeah. We should keep that. Are you looking to take your knowledge of faith to the next level? Oh, yeah. You've come to the right place. Welcome to Post-Christian Pastors, broadcasting from the Steel City, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. The podcast hosted by four pastors as they discuss relationships, faith, pop culture, current issues, and much, much more. Hey everybody, welcome to Post-Christian Pastors, the podcast that takes four pastors, sticks them in a room, talk about crazy stuff going on in our world, in a post-Christian society, and how do we live like Jesus in the midst of that. We're glad you've joined us here for our 11th episode of Post-Christian Pastors. I am Mark Helsel, and I'm along with the posse, the crew, the compadres, all the words they hate. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we're, we're down a man today, but uh, a, little man sh- down. a little short on the roster, man overboard. Uh, we've left him behind, but, uh, but we're glad that you've joined us for this episode. Thanks for tuning in, whether you found us on iTunes or wherever you found us or wherever you're listening to us right now, in a plane, in a train. On a beach, on a beach. Hopefully, you're on a beach right now, listening yeah, to nice. us. I wish I was on a beach right now. But let's go around and uh, introduce the team. So again, playing first base, John Price here on first base. And, Stretch uh, and he's out. I'm yeah. playing center. I don't no, like center baseball. field like Andrew McCutcheon. <laughs> you're out in center field. No, no, like center, like in football, the person <laughs> who hikes the ball. I'm in the middle of the field. Uh, I am. Marv is the non-conformist. Marv he had Nelson. I just sports. Football's my favorite. Football. You know, I like football too. Yeah, but, but we're in we're, we're in, in a baseball season. metaphor. Yeah, baseball season. Yeah, we're in baseball season. No, I guess so. Yeah, or bring up hockey playoffs. But hockey. Well, hockey yeah. just landed. You know, yeah. episode eleven. You know, we we we've passed that. Okay. And it is, yeah, we've passed hockey now, and it is summer time here in the Berg, and uh, hopefully you're having a great time with your summer. It's a great time to be outdoors, hanging out in the city, wherever you can be, and it's appropriate for our podcast today. Absolutely. And the guest that we have today, uh, it's a yeah. fun one. It's going to be a oh, good man. time. This is going to be crazy. Um, our theme today is Eat, Pray, New Orleans. Is that how you say it? New Orleans? Or Nolans? You can say it. How are New Orleans? Yeah. New Orleans? Some people just call it NOLA. 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 Yes. Uh, but, the but our big theme, easy. The big easy. Our theme today is Eat, Pray, New, or- New, New Orleans, <laughs> now I'm stuck, now I don't know what to say, uh, but, but that's our theme today because our, our special guest hails to us from New Orleans, mm-hmm. and, uh, and we're excited about Ray Kanata coming on, and Ray, just a real short thing, we'll give you a little bit longer bio in a minute, but Ray uh, set out to eat in every restaurant in New Orleans, and right. he did it, and he became a... He non-chain restaurant. Non-chain yeah, restaurants, right. and he became the focus of a documentary called uh, The Man Who Ate New Orleans. So, <laughs> pretty cool, and yeah. we're going to have him on. He's a pastor, crazy yep. enough, and he doesn't weigh 400 pounds wow. after, after eating in every restaurant, And uh, but he's going to come on to talk about all kinds. It's going to be a good time. Just We'll introduce him in a minute, but before we get to that... Uh, he, so, he's basically the clergy Guy Fieri. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yes. Yep. I guarantee you, if you like food, if you like Elvis, there's a little spoiler teaser or whatever. If you like Elvis, if you like just crazy stories, uh, Ray's going to be great. So don't go anywhere. Uh, he's going to be coming on in a few moments. But let's talk about uh, let's talk about summer is a great time to be out and yeah. and hanging out and connecting with people. And let me ask you guys, where do you like to go? Where do you like to go eat and connect with people here in the Burke? Honestly, it, it, it is definitely a dive, okay? It's called Pickles. It's on East Ohio Street, <laughs> and uh, they have the best, I mean, in the city that I've tasted, the best buffalo chicken pizza, hands down, in Pittsburgh. Now, Is that your food of choice that, in the summer, pizza? Personally, is pizza your go-to? Not all kinds of pizza. I love the buffalo chicken pizza, right. and so I've tested it all around the city of Pittsburgh, and they have the best. Now, I've gotten their regular pizza, and it's sugary tomato sauce, and mm-hmm. it's not. It's no bueno, right? But I love <laughs> no to hang bueno. out with people 
at uh, at right. pickles. All right. What about you, John? What's your go-to food for the summer, and maybe your go-to place? A go-to place? I don't know. That'd be kind of hard for me to to come up with a go-to place, just because I've like so many different kinds of food and things like that. But right. during the summer, I lo- I love to go to places that have like outdoor seating. Like I love yeah outdoor seating. It's just you know, it make, take, changes the whole dining experience, yeah. right? You get to you're hanging out outside. You get to watch people because as they're either coming to the restaurant or walking by, depending on if, okay. where you're at. And I just love that whole, nice. you know, El Fresco. Mm. You know, <laughs> and you know, in Pittsburgh, you don't get that very often, so right. you have to do it when it's available, right? You know, spring, summer, it rains all the fall. time, right? Yeah, so yeah. Well, know. last night I was outdoor seating. <laughs> I went to Six Pen Restaurant downtown. Oh yeah, oh that's, that's a great nice And I yeah. ate up on the rooftop. Oh, oh man. It, it rained. So oh, <laughs> man, I so, went to the Bettis Grill outside, yes. right on the river. Yes. That that was good stuff. So your pizza, your pizza, you you don't care what you're no, eating, I it's, but as long as you're outside, it's, it's buffalo yeah. chicken pizza. Buffalo chicken pizza. I'll, I'll eat I'll eat pretty much anything. Nice. But that's that's my favorite. How about you? Where do you like to go, Mark? If uh, if I my summer food of choice or my is tacos. Mm. So oh, wow. and right. if I'm going to eat tacos, I'm going on the north side. El Burro. El Burro. El Burro. Because I ate a lot of street tacos in Mexico. I uh, spent a lot of time in Mexico, and there they make them like oh, yeah. I remember yep. <laughs> on the streets of Mexico. Yep. Not like Taco Bell or, <laughs> or anything like that. Which is, is Taco also, Bell real meat? Also on the north side. <laughs> no, it's not meat. There's <laughs> no way it's meat. Have you been to smoke in Lawrenceville? No, but I. Oh man! Okay, if you if you like tacos, smoke, dude. All right, oh. El Burro. I've been to the other taco down. place in but if Round you strip, Corner Cantina. Yeah, but if you like tacos and you like barbecue, yeah, oh, okay. okay. So is. if you're listening to this podcast and you don't live anywhere near <laughs> Pittsburgh, but you want a dining guide, there, you, there you go. That's right. Yep, we there. just gave you a dining guide, and if you live in Pittsburgh, go to these places. And this podcast was brought to you by Smoke and Albert. No, it wasn't. Nobody paid us to say that. That is uh, that is simply our, our some of our favorite places to go. Yep. And uh, so this podcast today is all about food. It's all about ministry. It's all about connecting with people. It's all about Elvis. It's about a lot of fun things. So Absolutely. we're going to be back in a moment with Ray Kanata. So stick around. Don't go anywhere. Grab a taco. Here we go. Or a pizza. Or a pizza. All right, back here on Post-Christian Pastors, and man, I am so excited about uh, this episode today uh, called Eat, Pray, New Orleans, and uh, we are excited about our guest today. It's going to be a hoot, going to be fun, and uh, so his name is Reverend, the right Reverend, (laughs) Dr. Ray Hollywood... Canada. I want to make sure I get that right. Let me tell you a little bit about Ray. Uh, he is a graduate of Wake Forest, and this is going to be a longer intro yeah. than normal because you got to get all this stuff That's because right. it's so diverse and so fun that you got to just kind of hear it and then take it all in and actually believe it's all in one person. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so graduate of Wake Forest, he had his MDiv from Princeton, the uh, Ministry of Theology and Ministry from Princeton, Westminster Theological Seminary Doctorate. Uh, he moved to New Orleans shortly after Hurricane Katrina to replant uh, Redeemer Presbyterian Church, and the church grew from just a few people. We'll talk about that soon. And and uh, they were right in the midst of all the rebuilding. They've rebuilt over 500 homes uh, in New Orleans. Ray's work there has been featured in magazines like World, Paste, Wall Street Journal. He's been on television with Fox and Friends, Anderson Cooper 360, live probably. I'm going to ask him that. <laughs> and in several books. Now, here's here's where it starts getting weird. That's right. He's, yeah, that's weird the first part fun. is like, oh, he's just a pastor oh, guy. Yeah, right? he's a yeah, pastor, right. nice he guy. He has a doctorate. Yeah, yeah and, you know, just he's like... He's a kind of boring pastor. Yeah, he's boring, right? right? And, then, and, then, and then you get to this stuff, okay? So he is the feature of a documentary film called The Man Who Ate New Orleans, and it's about Ray's quest to eat at every non-chain restaurant in the city, 742 of them, 
He hosts a weekly web radio show called Midnight Menu Plus One. It's all about food. Mm-hmm. All right, we like food. We talked about food That's before right. Ray came on. Yes. Now, now here it's gonna get it gets a little even crazier. All right. So, in 2011, Ray was invited into the crew of the Rolling Elvi. Rolling Elvi. Oh, now the Rolling Elvi is a kind of m- scooter group that dresses up as Elvises and goes to all kinds of places, Mardi Gras, everything. But they're not on like motorcycles. They're on like scooters, okay, like, or pink cars, pink and dressed as Elvis. <laughs> yeah. So we'll we'll put in the show notes. We'll put a we'll put a link to the to the to the the trailer. Now he is uh, he's never taken off the dog tags they give you for this. He's serious. Uh, when he was promoted, when he was promoted, promoted to full riding membership, he was awarded King of Participation for his ninety-one point eight nine one eight nine attendance record. <laughs> he serves as the King of Propulsion. That's a great That's right. title, <laughs> King, King of, of Propulsion. propulsion. <laughs> That's what Marv's <laughs> wife calls him. <laughs> and, and he dances with the Jailhouse Rockers. In fact, he I think he has a dance practice tonight or something. His crew awards include best hair, best blue hawaii elvis which is amazing and king of trivia and his wife kathy is the priscilla priscilla a Pris- presley a priscilla, a priscilla yeah, yeah. presley she's the official one of the group <laughs> now um, amongst wow. all that stuff he's written articles for uh, scholarly publications and popular publications chapters and books his last book is called rooted the apostles creed man that just doesn't even fit it doesn't seem with elvis that's what, <laughs> that's what we love about him but Cree, uh, Cree Confidential is his favorite project yet. What is Cree Confidential That's again? the book that he wrote about the history of the uh, Rolling Elvi. Oh, that's the history <laughs> that's right. of the Rolling yeah. Elvi, the anthology. That's right, the anthology. He has guest lectured in master's and doctrinal classes on urban ministry, history, and social action at Covenant Theological Seminary and Tulane University. That is Hollywood, Ray Kanata. And, and that just scrapes the surface. That just gentlemen. scrapes the surface. <laughs> How you doing, Ray? Welcome to Post-Christian <laughs> Pastors. Wow, I can't live up to that. <laughs> okay, now, so here's the thing, Ray. So I don't know if you know this, but there is a company called Dos Equis that has an opening for the most interesting man in the world, <laughs> and I think you should apply. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. think we could get that, that, that going, Ray. We could get He's you. the most interesting <laughs> man alive. I think, so how are you doing, Ray? Uh, pretty good, pretty good. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. I'm glad you're with us today. <laughs> hey, Ray, I have a serious question for you. Yes. Since you were in Nor- Norlands uh, during the the rebuilding phase, did you ever meet Brangelina? <laughs> uh, very, very good question. Uh, no, but my daughter did. Whoa, nice! Time she she was in a coffee shop next door to a to a kids' clothing store with one of my friends, and they were they were drinking coffee or whatever. She was like three, and uh, and she um and they realized that. Brad and Angelina were next door at the at the uh, kids' clothing store. So, <laughs> so my friend scooped her up and took her over there as a prop. You know, she didn't have a kid. Because <laughs> kids are always good conversations. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so she runs the door. They, you know, because she had a kid, they let her in. They locked the doors for them. You know, wow. Keep, like, there were already paparazzi outside. So, so they let her in. So the store is just her, my daughter, and Brad and Angelina and the staff. So they wandered around, and she asked her what she whispered, you know, what size are you? And then kind of, you know, sized her up and and tried to get close to him. And then when the when the pictures came in the in the magazines, it was in that it was like in that store. My daughter's in the awesome. Back. Well, hey, yeah. hey, before we get before <laughs> we get awesome. into the that's real classic. serious questions, I've I've been to New Orleans, and I actually came there um, six months after Katrina, and I, I came there with an organization called Youth Specialties, and the district attorney's office paid for me to come. And to we were training youth workers because they were dealing with a lot of crime and stuff, especially after Katrina. So we were working with churches and and uh, so I came in and I and I ate down I ate on Bourbon Street with the district attorney. And while we were eating dinner, uh, the mayor came over, Ray Negan. Yes, he came over and introduced himself to Spiro. me, and he knew the district attorney obviously, and ended up talking to Ray Nagin, who I'd seen his face on TV all the time, and he ended up going to jail or something. But uh, yeah, I, was, I was on Fox and Friends with him on the fifth anniversary of Katrina uh, on, on at Jackson Square. He was a guest, and I was right after him, and uh, and I had all these visions of how I was going to tell him all if I ever saw him. And it was just the two of us <laughs> sitting happy to I've never seen a place empty because it was like four in the morning. Yeah, empty. Just the two of us and the and the show producers. 
And I sat down with him, and my and for, I looked him in his face. And I was like, "I'm such a big fan." <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you lied. Oh yeah, I'd fantasize forever about how I was going to tell him off, and just didn't happen. He's super charming in person. Yeah, he was. He was, and then he yeah. went to jail. For... Honestly, I think I'm the only person in New Orleans that thinks this, but I'd rather have him back though compared to our current mayor. I'd, I'd, I'd love to get him back. Nice. That well, maybe he gets out of jail soon. I, I loathe our current mayor, but that's another. How long is he in jail for, Ray Nagin? <laughs> uh, he stole a little bit of money. I mean, who cares? <laughs> Oh man, I think it was a that's lot. Part for the courts for mayors in cities. <laughs> yeah, right? that's, that's the big deal. That shouldn't well, even no, be. That's, that's that should be a job requirement. requirement. Yeah, yeah Pittsburgh mayor had a mayor that right? did that too. He was 28, but I mean, it's different. <laughs> I got stories about the mayor I can't tell on here because I was well. Anyway, I was a somewhere. Millennial leading. I was somewhere city. where the mayor was, and it wasn't good. Oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> I'm not telling that story. Street. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Ray, uh, this is John. Um, hey, John. You moved to New Orleans uh, just a few months after Katrina. Uh, what what was that like, and why why did you and your family go there when so many people were fleeing? Um, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, a word just because I'm kind of perverse. Like everything's backwards for me. So <laughs> this, this was exactly where I wanted to be because everybody else wanted to leave. But um, I don't know. I I, uh, I was in um, 14 years in a. Very nice church, but uh, pretty much the opposite setting of New Orleans. You know, Somerset County, New Jersey, wealthiest county in America, three censuses in a row. Um, you know, uh, very, you know, just very, very affluent. Um, you know, we so we uh, it was all you know minivans and SUVs, and everybody wore white and blue oxfords to church and triple khakis. You know, yeah. which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. But it was I was very, telling these guys I saw a picture of you from back then. You had like khakis and a polo shirt on. I was like, I've never seen Ray dressed anything like that before. Oh, I, yeah. I, I thought it was like you were like some like somebody like the body snatchers had. That's almost like the like youth that. pastor uniform. <laughs> Right. It, yes. Yeah. It was a uniform here. Well, anyway, so, I mean, so it was, uh, you know, it was, it was, it was a fine church. I've been senior pastor the last seven years, but I was really feeling restless to be doing something very, very different. And I had a little sabbatical going for, to work on my dissertation. And I was, uh, I was late going out to the library. I went out every morning at certain times, about a half hour late, or I would have missed the call. But a, this call comes in literally as I'm going out the door, I drop my books and I pick up the phone and it's a guy I met once who had uh, been a church planner in New Orleans and um, in our denomination. So I, uh, so I, I call and we end up talking for about eight hours. And in the end, he talked me into it was like a Thursday. He talked me into flying down with my family for uh, Saturday for like an interview and a preach and that kind of thing. And I told him at the end, I said, "Listen, you know, he, I, I said, well, what happened was he was he was leaving." to plant a church in Memphis, and um, he'd already decided to leave, and he was hoping to find a replacement before he did so the Presbytery wouldn't shut the church down. It was the third attempt at a, at a church in our denomination, a city, that hadn't really, you know, taken off yet, and um, it was very small. And so, uh, anyway, so I, I told him, you know, I'm looking at it as a paid vacation, but I'll come down and preach for you or whatever. And um, Pre-Katrina. This is yes, pre-Katrina. This, yeah, this is one week before Katrina. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like nine days before Katrina, so I, you know, it's not with no idea that's coming. So anyway, so we go, so we go, uh, we go down and utterly fall in love with the place and ragtag, weird congregation, real small, but just well, like twelve it. people or something. I think I remember. No, well, that, well, when we got when we got down, eventually it ended up being seventeen people. It was probably okay. or fifty that week. That was before the storm. So um, whole bunch never came back after the storm. You right. Know? But uh, anyway, uh, so absolutely fell in love with the place. Uh, head over heels, and but I hadn't had a chance to talk to my wife, and we were never really, we were never really um, alone the whole weekend. I mean, we 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 went out to clubs at night to hear music and dinner before, and then we kind of fell asleep on his couch at one point, and you know, rushing from thing to thing, and so we hadn't had a chance to talk. So on the, he's driving back to the airport, and he pulls over right before he says, "Okay, now let me make you a flight to come back next week for your second interview." You know, before your <laughs> sabbatical ends. And I said, "Man." We haven't even talked yet. Give me, you know, call me tomorrow, you know? And so we get to the airport. I'm, I'm, I'm terrified to try to talk to Kathy into uh, letting me come back for a second interview. And she's nervous about trying to talk me into going back for a second interview. <laughs> so that was, that was kind of awesome. So I pulled him back about three minutes later and said, yeah, make me the flight. So I had, I had a flight for the day of Katrina. Wow. And, uh, yeah, and so that never, you know, that never happened. Like a jackass, I called the airport to cancel my flight, you know, and they, <laughs> they canceled the whole city, you know? <laughs> they were like, uh, you don't need to call. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was pretty bad. So we came back. So I thought that was the end of it. And we, you know, we came back though to visit, uh, first week of October, about four weeks later. 
And it was just absolutely heartbreaking. I mean, just right. if you've never been in a setting like that, I mean, just the smells, you couldn't get a breath right. of fresh air anywhere, you know, between just mm. all the death, you know, yeah. and just all the mold. I mean, every, yeah. every, every single house, rich or poor, 100% of the city, if they'd gone back in their house, yet had dragged their refrigerator out to the curb. You know, and it was just yeah. full of this inhuman sludge, you well, know? I, I was there six months after, and I've never seen anything like that. I mean, it was unbelievable uh, to see that devastation. But also, if you would have dropped me down in the middle of all of it, and I didn't know how long ago this happened, I would have thought that it happened yesterday. Mm. And that yeah. was six oh, yeah. months later. You know, it was like crazy. So I can imagine you going there just a few weeks after. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, one out of 300 people died within the city limits. A lot more died afterwards, too, in other places. You know, they'd have a heart attack a week later. Because it disproportionately hit the elderly, you know? Sure. Um, So, you know, if you were somebody who grew up here, probably one out of 20 or 25 of your peers died in the thing. So you had a couple people you graduated high school with, some cousins, a sibling, maybe a neighbor. And so, you know, you're dealing with with just massive loss, and it's just too much for a lot of folks. So they, they, they don't get counted in the tally, but they, you know, killed them too. It was thousands of those. Right. And there was, you know, just the animals and, you know, cars everywhere. Just crazy, crazy stuff. And anyway, so our hearts broke, and we didn't think they were going to reopen the church. The Presbytery actually voted, I think it was about a one or two vote margin to reopen the church. It was mm. a big debate. And so was I, it I, damaged? Was the church itself damaged? Uh, no, it was, it was in that 20% of the city that wasn't okay. flooded. It's about a half a mile from the flood line. Okay. About eighty percent of the city was flooded. About fifty percent was was left blighted. Yeah. You know? So it's it's a lot. It was one hundred and ten thousand homes plus other structures that were wrecked by the storm. But the the church was not. But the church went from forty or fifty people. I had fifty four members. It went to seventeen when we reopened. So we jump in the station wagon and uh, drive down here. No clue what we're doing and uh, no cl- no plan. Uh, no, nothing, and just didn't have any place to stay. Found a friend of a friend, so made visit the church a couple times. Called them; they graciously allowed us to stay in their home. Rented the first place we found in the neighborhood. Very important that I'd be within about a mile of the church. Found a place about a half a mile away in the same right, neighborhood, right. and um, yeah, and then just got started. And I'll tell you, I mean, the the, the way we started the rebuilding stuff was um, was. Uh, I, I found the only person who who was available during the day. We had one college student going. He was a preppy kid from Tennessee going to Tulane, 19 years old, less handy than I was even. <laughs> and we just went to, you know, Home Depot with a couple carts and just filled it up with, what do you, what do you think we need to, you know, to go to house? I don't know, shovels? Yeah, I think that works. You know, <laughs> sledgehammers? Okay. You know, and yeah, and that's the kind of stuff we did. Shotguns. We had, we had, we had, a, then the missionaries just started coming. We had them, yeah, shotguns. We had them, uh, <laughs> that'll get out quick. Sleep in my office without any AC. We had them sleeping in my house. We had, you know, eventually we rented a place and eventually we got staff and it just kept growing and growing. And, and, uh, you know, at, at one point we'd had, we had, uh, the first Easter, we had a hundred missionaries and we only had about 25 people in the church. And wow. we were, you know, so we got, yeah, we were just hosting these monster groups. We had three different groups there at once. We were trying to coordinate during Holy Week. It was just crazy. But, but the Lord blessed, and we didn't have a committee, you know, and we didn't have a brochure for it. We didn't have a web page. You know, it was just people calling me on the cell phone and just going and visiting with people and lining up projects. And nice. there were so many things to do that, uh, you know, that it wasn't hard to find things, to, you know, things to get done. I mean, it was just amazing. And so we, we try to match people with their skill level. And, and you know, we called the city at first to try to get inspectors out and permits and stuff, and they they, they get mad at us, like, leave us alone, you know? Like, we, we, you know, we're, we're overworked. So uh, we learned that just we did Just go fix stuff. Don't worry yeah. about permits. Exactly. Just, yeah, that was the first year. It was like they, 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 wouldn't, they wouldn't come out and inspect if you asked, if you begged them to, <laughs> you know? And, uh, and so, you know, just helping people get back on their feet. And we found, you know, got in somebody's house, saved them about $10,000. Um, it was very expensive to do because, uh, there was just supply was, you know, demand was so high and, um, yeah, we just started, you know, just started picking apart and doing that. We just saw amazing things happen. So you've been in in NOLA over 10 years now. What are, what are the most beautiful things about the city and what are the most broken? Just kind of trying to see what, what are the really golden, uh, places? And then what are the, the really dark places that, 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 you know, exist for being there 10 years? Well, I'll tell you in the big picture is I think one of the reasons why the, the our denomination did very poorly in church planning here, it did well around the country and lots of other places, you, you know, had nothing and really grew, but, it, but New Orleans was maybe its biggest black eye. I mean, 
I had a guy from M&A, our, our church planning agency, tell us that, you know, it was a missionary graveyard uh, for the PCA, and it didn't make sense in the South because they were really looking at it as a southern city. It's not a southern city at all. It's not an American city, really, you know? <laughs> and, yeah. and I think, you know, they were, like they were trying to live in this middle place where the where our denomination thrives, which is sort of, you know, sort of suburban, middle class, whatever. And New Orleans doesn't have have a whole lot of that culturally. It has a middle class, but it doesn't have the same culture there. Hmm. It's it's all heaven or hell, you know, hmm. which is actually <laughs> the most blessed place to be because, I, you know, I tell people, I don't have much figured out in life, but I got this much figured out. I know this much. You really need to spend all your time either fixing stuff that's broken or enjoying stuff that's beautiful, things that yeah. look a lot like heaven, that you can see a foretaste of heaven and really just enjoy and revel in, and things that you can really just – really just busted and screwed up and they really need you know, redeeming. Mm-hmm. That's and anything great. else you spend your time with is a waste. Is a waste. Now, you know, by necessity that happens. But if you can position your life in such a way that you reduce that that in between stuff, you're doing well. Hmm. You know. Now, if you do all just fixing broken stuff and none of the joy, you're going to burn out. If you do all the joy without any of the without any of the fixing, you're going to be a hedonist and you'll end up in rehab or whatever. You know? Yeah, you're <laughs> going to burn out. Basically, yeah, right, you're burn out another way, right? Yeah. yeah. But I mean, so New Orleans has. You know, the beauty of New Orleans was it has just heaven and just hell, no, nothing else. So if <laughs> there's, there's no polos and khakis in the middle. There's, there's not a lot. There's, no. there's, there's just strippers and, <laughs> and strippers right. and saints. Wow. Yes, yeah. So, I mean, for example, I mean, I think this, this city has taught me a lot about what, about what the church is supposed to be. And it just, mm. it just does it intuitively, you know? I mean, for example, it's only about 2% of our city goes to evangelical, of the white population goes to evangelical uh, wow. churches on a given Sunday. When we, pl- when we replanted the church here, we were the only evangelical church, I believe, of, of any note in, right. in uh, the whole neighborhood of 60,000 people, you know? Wow. Yeah. Uh, it's just, you know, we don't have a CMA church in the whole city. We don't have like a, you know, and just any from CMA. Man, we got to fix yeah, that. There you go. You know, stuff that every city has, you know what I mean? Southern Baptist churches, we have like three. You know what I mean? It's wow. just, oh, Baptists no, Baptist don't do well in the middle of <laughs> depravity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, I'll tell you what, the, the, stu- the, the stuff where you see real heaven here is it's a place of sharing. People are incredibly gracious, sometimes to the point of like cheap grace. That's why we put up with the corrupt politicians or whatever. Right. You know, very, very gracious. Uh, to me, the best picture of heaven I know is a Mardi Gras parade, honestly, you know? Yes. And, there's nothing closer on earth to heaven than a Mardi Gras parade. Explain because that. of the Explain diversity. That. What, what you have is you have incredible creativity. Our, our, our God is a creator. He's made us in his image. It's, a, it's the most creative stuff in the world. It's the opposite of the Macy's Day Parade, right? Yeah. The Macy's Day Parade is the least creative thing on the planet. <laughs> they recreate the same <laughs> thing over like and over again. All it is like Madison Avenue and Disney, you know, right. just like selling you a product and you're stupid enough to watch it, right? It's a corporation. And, yeah, it's, it's corporate. It's, yeah, they just, they read they read these these canned statements that are just a sales pitch, and it's all lip synced, and it's a, it's a mile long only, even though the city's huge, and it's all for TV and da da. You know, Mardi Gras parades, we have about forty of them, right? And they're six miles long. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's six miles long it goes on for like three weeks, you know, and the things are you know hours long, and it's all handmade, and it's bad form to recycle anything. And it's there's no advertising, not one, not one bit of advertising ever, zero. You know, they 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 actually have a rule against it, but they don't need it because the year after Katrina, in order to help pay for the for the parade, they 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 suspended that rule for the first time in history, and no one took them up on it. I mean, some nice. people some people kicked in money, but they didn't ask for any advertisement. You so know? it still has that kind of organic feel to it. Very organic, but okay. it's, so it's real. It's authentic. You yeah, know? it's authentic. Yeah. The other thing is, it's it's uh it's celebratory. You know, I mean, every time we get a picture of heaven and revelation, it, it's a party. You know, it's it's the best party I know on earth. It's uh it's um it's about sharing. It's about diversity. You know, nowhere else do you see better a sort of integration of rich and poor. You know, uh, tourists and locals, black and white, young and old. In the parades, everybody's mixed together. It's the and kingdom of God. Shows and you know. And it, and at its best, it really is amazing. And at its um, worst, it's hell, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Well, the city, I mean, the city in general. Well, I mean, you know, there's, there, there. For example, two years ago, there was a, there was a, the parade stopped. One of the parades I was in, uh, it's, it, it stopped. And you know that happens when a tractor breaks down or whatever. But right. it's going on a little too long. And then eventually, we started moving again, and we noticed the crowd had totally thinned out, which was, you know, ne- uh, you know, very exceptional right where we were and there was all the smoke everywhere and we realized it was flares they put up 
it's because a guy got shot like right Whoa. on the route, like in about, the parade. About a hundred, yeah, about a hundred yards. Well, it was two guys watching the parade. One guy shot the other guy. It was some kind of beef they had. But it, but it happened in a big, thick crowd. You know, a hundred yards yeah. from where, where we were. We would have been passing it. You know, another another minute or two from then. Wow. But the, but the weird part was the crowd thinned out, but it didn't go away completely. Right in that spot, hmm. there were people. There were people begging us for throws, you know, <laughs> wow. us, like fifty feet from the body. The parade to... must go on. <laughs> this guy died, but I want my necklace. Uh, the parade was... must go on. And just you see, like even in the midst of the best things in this world, there's still just brokenness. You know, paradise yeah. is never complete here. Right. It's always True. sort of warped. You know. Poverty, crime. My son watched a machine gun battle from his um, schoolyard our first year here when he was six years old. That happens every day here. Right? Yeah. Shooting it out with these two other guys right across the street from his school. Crazy. You know, bad stuff. But, you know, that's that's why we're needed. You know, yeah, too. absolutely. Well, Ray, let me ask you. So, like, in that, in that story and the story of kind of your life and when I read your bio at the beginning – you know, you're an evangelical, uh, whatever that means anymore. We're, we, <laughs> right. we, 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 debate Christ that. we debate that on here. But you're, you know, a passionate follower of Jesus. And But when you read your bio, it just, it's not the typical pastoral bio. And we love that. That's what we love about it. But tell me about, so you're an evangelical pastor in the midst of this, the whole kind of rolling Elvi crew, which tell us a little bit about that. And then, Tell, tell us what it's like been for you just being on the streets with people, ministering to people, and what you've learned about Jesus, what you've learned about people, all those kind of things, doing ministry the way you've done it. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, every single person walking the earth, believer or not, is bears God's image in a mm, marred right. way, bears God's image, you know? Mm. And so the more we can, you know, not in a politically correct way where it's just a sort of forced mechanical thing, but just— you know, celebrating and understanding the diversity of humanity uh, gives us a better picture of our creator, you know? Mm. And uh, the, the thing that that really was hard for me in my old setting was, um, you know, it seemed like everybody sort of fit the same profile, not just sort of ethnically or economically, but even sort of like in habits and tastes and so forth. There was there was just not a lot of variety there. Right. And the nice thing about New Orleans is there's just so much, and also people, you know, the, re- the reality is there was a lot of, a variety in, in the suburban setting I was. The problem is it gets suppressed because everybody's got to kind of conform. And New Orleans, just everybody lets their freak out, you know, which is great. <laughs> and me too, you know, out. that's what I learned. I learned to just be myself after a while. And people, you know, and take when you became leave. yourself, Elvis came out. <laughs> yeah, my, yeah, my latent uh, Elvis came out. You know? <laughs> wow. Everybody has a hidden Elvis. <laughs> I'm convinced. I, I don't um, Well, agree we can make this whole that. show about Elvis too. Um, <laughs> we'll have I you asked, back I for sure. I guest lectured at a class for uh, Wellesley, you know, um, uh, um, Hillary's alma mater. Oh, Hillary Clinton. Yeah, yeah, and it teaches. They she teach it. It's the only. It's the only class. They claims to be the only serious academic class in the country on Elvis and culture. And I got nice. to guest lecture there last summer uh, via Skype, and I'm going to get to do it again this year. What does nice. one talk about when you guest lecture about Elvis? Oh my gosh! So much. <laughs> I mean, well, let me just say something about my crew, so because you asked. Yeah. About, yes, I'm sorry. That I don't want to leave that part I've got out. Got a million so, questions, but go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll get I'll get it started. But essentially, yeah, it's it's like a, you got to think of like a fraternity or a sorority in a way, but just a whole lot more awesome and less kind of douchey, you know. And uh, most of them, but like you know, it's it's uh it's it's uh it, it's a bunch of guys. We use Elvis as sort of a motif to sort of jump out and and you know reimagine things sort of in that category. So you got like. Got a guy who uh, dresses as Elvis, as if as if Michael Jackson was Elvis. So he does like <laughs> King of Pop, he's King of Rock, right? So you got mashups. You got mashups. Yeah, wow, exactly right. So I got this Hollywood sort of uh, thing going sometimes because of the movie or whatever. But it's all different ways. So we have like a Harley Davidson Elvis, and we got a punk rock Elvis that's got like you know uh, Elvis Save the Queen or whatever in the back, and it's got you know that that Sex Pistols cover on his <laughs> nice. cape, and uh, wow. you know, but he's got Elvis. Lots of creativity. Lots and lots of creativity. It's 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 guys. The youngest guy's about twenty three in the crew. The oldest guy's in his seventies. Wow. Um, all kinds of misfits and freaks and uh, captains of industry and everything in between. You know, and a pastor right in the middle of it. <laughs> and a pastor right in the middle of it. <laughs> yeah. Now, how do they view you in that group? They love you. Uh, you know, I think you know. Here's the thing. Like, I think uh, I'm just another ingredient in the gumbo. That's what makes gumbo so awesome. You can keep adding stuff to it. 
And I think they love the fact that they don't know any other pastors and that they're buddies with, and you know, I could be fun too, you know. So, uh, yeah. Especially so we, when you're blue Elvis or Hawaiian Elvis. Blue, blue Hawaii Elvis. Blue Hawaiian Elvis. Okay, I got about six different jumpsuits, and I'm in the. Gym. Oh, you are yeah. you serious? Dude. Oh yeah, I got lots of jumpsuits, lots of custom capes. Love it. Well, see, Mark yeah, makes fun of you for that. I'm not says, making fun. He of. says, he says, are you serious? And he probably has like 17 Spider-Man costumes. <laughs> Yes. So I just I just don't know why he would Let's ask that question. Let's not get into my pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> are you serious? So we drive around these little scooters that are kid sized scooters. In fact, the, as King of Propulsion, I'm one of the I, I enforce this rule on others. King of Propulsion's <laughs> an awesome title. They, that yeah. needs to go on your tombstone when you die. <laughs> King of Propulsion. It's um uh no more than 49 cc's on the scooter. So they're basically like skateboards with like a weed whacker like engine. Nice. <laughs> wow. And yeah, noisy, smelly, and then and then we started using some electric ones too. But uh yeah, they're mostly the environmentally smelly things and we yeah, we're in parades and we do different other events or whatever show up for different stuff. We're in a gong show type of event tonight. You do a lot um, of charity yeah. stuff too, right? Yeah, lots of charity stuff. So this one's a charity for I think Children's Hospital. Very good. And, um, yeah, we do stuff like that. So and, for the and, common good. Yeah, yeah, and you know, and just have a good time doing it. I mean, for example, um, you know, I mean, this is kind of only in New Orleans kind of thing, right? Okay, so uh, at one time we they were doing a wine auction at our local PBS station. You know, generally pretty stuffy, right? PBS. <laughs> called WYES and we they had the rolling Elvi as the um as the spokesmodels for the uh in costume you know for the, the, for the wine you know models. meanwhile we got there we were the only sober ones there like the whole audience <laughs> and all the announcers and like you know the the, the the you know the speakers or whatever everybody was drunk except for us you know it's like like six o'clock I was like wow that's a little different than most PBS uh, telethons <laughs> yeah <laughs> then, then, uh, then drunken then, PBS telethon would be <laughs> that would be like, good TV oh uh, yeah all on the air too we're just kind of oh. looking at each other like wow like we don't fit in I guess we got to get drunk so um, <laughs> and um, well then then uh, then we were at a pirates ball my wife and I were uh, on Saturday night. And um, it was a it was a fundraiser for Odyssey House, which is the biggest um, drug and alcohol rehab um, program for teens in the city, like residential place. And we get there, and it's like an open bar, burlesque dancers, everybody's drunk. Oh man! Wait, like, this isn't PBS, though. Is it? <laughs> no, this is- <laughs> no, we're off PBS. But I'm just saying, it's like it's like it's like an alcohol drug rehab benefit, and everyone's getting drunk. drunk. <laughs> wow, oh, man. No, but it's actually it's a really really great group too. They do amazing work, and my friend is the director of it, and and all that. But I'm just saying it's like it's a lot more uh, it's a lot less stuffy here, you know, a lot more laid back, a lot more honest. Yeah, you know. When and you said I just pi- love that about this place. When you said pirates ball, all of our eyes went up like we thought pirates baseball. <laughs> yeah, John did. John thought. <laughs> it was- so uh, hey, well, just for a moment here, real quick, welcome. Mike Arnold is with us. I'm hi, Mike. It's great to be hey, here, Mike. guys. So hey, Mike, Mark. our other long lost pastor, our prodigal son, has come home. He's uh, here with us. He made it made it here in time. So uh, uh, just so you guys can say hi to each other, this is Ray. Hi, Ray. Hollywood. Hollywood Ray. Yeah, that's right. The Reverend Dr. Hollywood. The right Ray. Reverend. <laughs> yep. Nice to meet you, Hollywood. Nice <laughs> to meet you. Hey, l- let me ask you really quick. So let's, let's dive into the... Let's dive into the uh, the man who ate New Orleans and uh, food. so food, f- good old food, and uh, you know New Orleans is known for amazing food. Absolutely. Uh, so you you set out to eat at all the restaurants that weren't chains within New Orleans, which turned out to be seven hundred and forty two, right? Something like that. Yeah. Yep. So tell us about that journey. Uh, how? Why did you do it? And. <laughs> Kind of what he what, wanted to get really fat. Yeah, what was besides the <laughs> obvious, which is good food? Oh, I put on forty pounds. Yeah, yeah. Well, like why? Why did you dive into this? Why did you think this was a thing you wanted to take on as a rather new person in the midst of New Orleans? And what did you see come out of that besides your waistline growing? Well, I mean, one of the things I learned right away is like whenever you meet somebody, you don't really have a conversation starter. There's a lull. You can always talk about the Saints here. Like I, like I grew up in New York area, right? I grew up in uh, New York City and then the Burbs. Never lived anywhere else. And I, I can't tell you one year they won the Super Bowl. I can't name one player on the Giants or the Jets. No clue, you know. Every old lady, every shut in here can give you the whole roster. You know, the whole city. Knows <laughs> right? It's like Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah. Like Pittsburgh. I think is very similar, right? Yes. And also Green Bay, I think is a little yeah, similar. Right. Too. 
But uh, but anyway, you know, so that that was one thing. But the other one was food, and so right away I started watching. I haven't missed a I haven't missed the Saints game since I've been here. Never watched an NFL game till I got here. I probably got went thirty seven years never watching an NFL game. But wow. then uh, and then then the other one was I just I realized like okay, everybody's talking about food. I need to be able to talk about it intelligently. So you know, I went out and basically my first thirty meals were like the best thirty meals of my life. And I realized like wow, I need to <laughs> I need to keep going to different places or I'm going to like you know be limiting myself. So I started. Uh, just kind of be more systematic about it. Then we had all these teams coming down, and they were asking questions about where to go out to eat, and it's such a complicated question here, you know, yeah. because it all depends, you know. So I started making lists for them, and then I was, when I started making a list, I go, wow, you know, at this rate, I could probably eat everywhere, you know. If somebody said that, I said, oh, let me try that. So I made it into like a little thing, and I also realized if I went to every restaurant in the city, I'd hit every subculture because every mm. group, you know, whether it's bikers or Vietnamese people or, you know, whatever it would be, they all have at least one food expression, you know, mm. here. So if I could spend some time there, spend a couple hours, have a nice long meal, I would get at least a taste of like every little nook and cranny of the city. So I started making a list and then filmmaker guy came down and he was he was the um, he was the film uh, review editor for um, Pace magazine. He made a couple shorts and he wanted to do some longer. And he came down and he said, uh, you know, maybe we can make a little promotional movie because I was I was flying. I was about twice a month. I was flying to other towns to raise money for the mission team stuff. I'd leave on Tuesday. Usually do a Wednesday night service. Come back on Thursday a lot. Mm-hmm. And so he said, "Oh, you could bring this with you, kind of as a promotional thing." Ah, that's a good idea. And so it kind of grew and grew as I committed to it. Next thing you know, it's movie trucks, and it's like weeks of my <laughs> life, and it's a and it's a big event. But um, yeah, so Morgan Sporlock jumped in. You know, the guy that supersized me. That's oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So he became one of the producers, and wow. it ended up being like kind of a big deal. And awesome. um, so where, where can we watch it at? Where can we watch it? You can watch it on this. Uh, it's like Spark Star and Sparkle or something like that. It's some kind of streaming movie thing. I forget the name Sparkle. of it, but if you Google, it'll show up. You can also yeah. buy it on Sparkle. Amazon. I signed. Oh, away you can all buy it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I signed away all my rights to it when I um, when I uh, when I did. I you know, big stack of papers. So I don't know if they ever made any you, money you, on it. Though, you anyway, said something but. rather interesting. You said that everybody has a, a, their own flavor or their their own uh, idea of a flavor for meals. And you said Vietnamese, and I get that. But then you said bikers. <laughs> um, so <laughs> there, biker there's food. a biker. So is there? What's food. the biker flavor in New Orleans? <laughs> <laughs> you know, what I'm saying like any one of these, you know, you got moldy, uh, no. <laughs> moldy <laughs> leather. So. They, they only have their they have their spot where they hang there's out. Like, you no, know, there's like uh, gay clubs that have restaurants. I I went to those. There was like all. I mean, it's just like everybody's got everybody's got a place. You know, okay. I went to a couple places that are criminal enterprises. I mean, it's wonderful. <laughs> nice. Oh yeah, well, there's like no sign in the door. You know, whatever. I, I'd have to get a friend to take me and I, well, I <laughs> knock, one, knock on the door. Is three that times. how you Ray, Is that you, how you got connected? So you had, did the funeral of the uh, of the mob boss? Yeah, you did a funeral oh, for a mob boss. <laughs> Uh, I ended up leading the second line parade for um, and uh, an opening in benediction and prayer and all that for uh, probably the most famous local mobster. He got murdered uh, last uh, December and uh, got to do that. That was kind of fun. Brady, so I was did any of these places give you food poisoning and which ones? <laughs> the biker place. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll give you an example. Like, wait, wait, wait. Did you ever answer the question, what's the biker flavor? No, no, no. Right. He was saying oh. that, that it was subset communities, the different places oh, that okay. people... Well, so it wasn't necessarily out, the, you know? the type of food. Mm. They were making like biker out. hot dogs. It's not necessarily a biker dish. I'm just saying there's like a biker hangout. Right. right. You love hot dogs, right? <laughs> Yeah, the hot dogs are awesome. <laughs> no, that's, that's not true. That's, you you yeah, don't like hot dogs. I like hot that's dogs. my last hot dog. Wait, what are some of the names you have for hot dogs? Uh, well, okay, so like Spam Sticks, Satan's Lollipops. I have a whole bunch of like vulgar ones I can't use on the air. Yeah, it's phallic uh, uh, quality. Phallic uh, Yeah, right. But, I mean, that's what it is, right? I mean, it's, essentially, it's it's almost identical to a you know, Asherah poles. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah good, old, good old Testament reference there. I'm pretty, sh- I'm pretty sure that uh, Leviticus 11. <laughs> you, you picture this. Are there going to be hot dogs in heaven? Can you even imagine Jesus serving you hot dogs? No, no. I see a Here's steak the dinner. best that creation has to offer. Right. Here's what I created you for. Hot dogs. <laughs> they smell. They suck. They're horrible for you. They're, I mean, just everything about them are horrible. Hey, yep. Oh man, but, uh, I love it. I love it. Where were yeah. we? <laughs> <laughs> no, we were talking about who knows, his right? food spots. Easting finds you. I mean, can you imagine like going to a graduation celebration or a wedding or whatever where there's no meal? Like, you go through a wedding ceremony and it's over, and you're going to sit in a park and like listen to music. No, there's always going to be food, right? 
we just know it just binds us. I mean, you read you read the Bible and you start in Genesis one and you have to hit to the end of Exodus before you hit a single story that's not centered around food. Hmm. Every single story has food at its center. You know, I mean, the story ends at a banquet table, right? We end yeah, up at does. the banquet yeah, table. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, and we have we have one sacrament that we're told to uh, to repeat. And it's a meal. It could have been a song. It could have been, you know, anything. It could have been a dance. Instead, it's a meal. Mm-hmm. And um, It's good. Yeah. So, I mean, I think food's at the, at the very core. I mean, think about it. The first miracle Jesus does is to make a whole lot of wine. If you do the math, it's like 750 bottles of wine for people that are already drunk. You know, that already <laughs> yeah, I've always thought that's you know? pretty cool. Anyway, so. <laughs> right? I mean, like, feasting is at the heart of what, I mean, every time you see a picture of heaven, that's what they're doing. They're feasting, basically. It's like seven out of nine of them, they're feasting, yep. you know? So, Ray, the, you're, you're, when you get to heaven, you're going to be sitting at the banquet table with a big a big bowl of gumbo dressed as Elvis. <laughs> Not a hot dog anywhere near me. No, <laughs> no hot dogs. I used to make my wife throw away anything in the refrigerator. She, she used to sneak some hot dogs to our kid when he was he said, <laughs> when he was like two. She she tried to like you know get him to eat some hot dogs, and when I wasn't around. And I could smell them, you know. She'd hide them in there, and then wow. I'd, pour, I'd pour out all the milk, anything that was anything that was porous at all, you know, got contaminated by the hot dogs. I didn't. Yeah, have, if, have if you the ever? Hot dog's been near anything in my house. It has to go. Have you ever accidentally ate a gumbo unclean. with hot dogs in it instead of sausage? Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I don't even like sausage that looks like hot dogs. You know, you get that like, so, like in, sausage is like pink. Forget about it. If a hot dog ends up in your house, you have to ring a bell like unclean, <laughs> unclean, unclean. <laughs> unclean. Oh, there, there's kosher hot dogs. There is uh, kosher hot dogs. I don't think it's an issue about kosher uh, for him. No. no, I think it's just an issue of. Stuff. It's texture. texture. Just Actually, what that means is they uh, taste even worse, probably, because they had the <laughs> cells in it. <laughs> All right, moving on. Let's uh, <laughs> let's walk away from hot dogs. So, yeah. uh, so what I found is I can eat whatever I want as long as I got rid of my car. So I got rid of my car nine years ago, and I walk everywhere. And then I took off all the weight I put on from the from the food uh, thing. You can watch in the movie. It got filmed over the course of about a year. You got you thinner. Can get, you can see me get bigger and then thinner again. But um, but you're yeah, like, it's, you're like Tom Hanks in Castaway. Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> he just didn't grow the beard. <laughs> Wilson, and, and you weren't screaming for Wilson. <laughs> Wilson. <about> <laughs> <laughs> well, well, what did so you be, learn? Tell what did you learn about ministry by doing that? By getting rid of the car? No. <laughs> no <laughs> going I mean, to the restaurant. Going to all these restaurants. What? Oh well. Well, first of all, ministry is about people, or it's right. not about. Right? right. I mean, really, it's about connecting people to God, and um, and you know, I'm working on figuring out what God wants, but I but I learn it through the context of being with people, you know, and uh, I think you know, it's it's a social lubricant food, you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, and, and people are being what they're created to be when they're feasting. I mean, they're getting a little bit closer to what they're going to be in heaven while they're feasting, you know, mm-hmm. and they have to be feasting well. It's not just fueling, you know. So, I mean, to me, it's like there's there's uh, there's a lot of different purposes for um, for eating. You know, you eat because you're hungry. You're, you know, you're fueling up. Right. right. You're, you eat because it tastes good flavor, you know, and you eat because of fellowship, you know. And so I refuse to eat if I don't have at least two of those three. I skip the meal phenomenon. So I don't eat by myself unless it's really awesome and I'm really hungry, you know? <laughs> flavor, right? I don't, I, I'll, I'll eat with somebody. If I'm with somebody else and I'm fellowshipping, but it doesn't taste good, even if I'm hungry, you know, what I, you know what I'm saying? So I have to have two of the three. So um, I won't do one. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I learned, you know, I think I think it's, it's kind of like true serum a little bit too, especially when you add a little alcohol to it, but like, you know, which around here, it's another nice thing. It's socially acceptable to have a beer at lunch, which is great, you know. And um, But, yeah, being able to just, you know, I think people open up more around food, around the table. That's why you, know? you don't have a CMA church. Presbyterians. You know what I learned in our church, though? We have never had a major event without alcohol. Because yeah. it just its presence there loosens people up, even if they don't drink, you know. Right. Mm. This and is so, in France. You know. Yeah, every party, every Bible study, every I mean every every workshop, every CE event, I mean anything is we just have alcohol all the time. And it's I we used to tell people like, you know, come, you know, Redeemer Church, you know, uh, come for the <laughs> come for the booze, stay for the doctrine. <laughs> nice. And that's why you wrote a book on the Apostles' Creed. Right. <laughs> so you've got good beer and good doctrine. Right. There it is. You know, it, it gets them in first. It's like yeah, Martin nice. Luther. They're that's like right. Martin Luther. <laughs> Let's just hope well, you don't have the end. Martin Luther had his own beer meister. Did you know that? 
Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. This great book called Drinking with Calvin and Luther changed my life forever. Ray, besides dropping 40 pounds, how has how getting rid of your car, how has that changed your life? How has it changed? Has it... Uh, you know, most most Americans would way. most Americans would think that would diminish your life, right? By getting rid of your car, um, how does how is it? N- well, I mean, obviously, there's there's a there are some sacrifices made. I mean, there's times where I want to get somewhere fast and I can't get there quite as fast, right? Sure, Uber. But I mean, there's there's a trade off. But I mean, in general, it's been amazing. I've never belonged to a gym. I'm in good shape, you know, uh, because of the car, because of, because I don't have a car. I got to mm. walk to everything. I, you know, I, I, I budget myself 30 minutes per mile, even though it only takes me about 18 when I walk because I figure I'm going to run into somebody about once a mile. I'm going to want to stop and talk to them, hmm. and I want to have the opportunity to do that. Uh, it doesn't take as much time as you think because I do all my shopping while I'm walking around. I live on a, a, a mixed-use street, you know, Magazine Street for six miles. It's a mixture of, of residential and commercial, and so I do all my grocery shopping and every, clothes shopping, everything else I need while I'm out walking. I make my phone calls in between. I really can't do that when I'm driving. I'm getting my exercise done. So I'm multitasking, you know. But the other thing is it saves me about $700 a month between wow. insurance and car payments and repairs and registration and, you know, whatever. It's a and, lot of uh, hot dogs, man. Yeah. <laughs> and I bet you meet a lot of people. $700 a month. <laughs> and uh, you and meet you know, the other thing is there's a hitting medical costs of, like, being in a car all the time. It's why we're all fat asses because we're in the car all the time. You know, True. we're not moving at all, you know. Yep. So uh, some of us more than more others. Social. I have more friends. The other thing is, I raise my. I hands. have people in the neighborhood that will see me We're walking drunk. around, and I see We're them drunk. a thousand times, and we've never spoken. You know, right? And then that one time we're in the coffee shop, we're in line. They find out I'm a pastor. They want to ask me something about whatever. And now they feel welcome to because they feel like we're already friends. You know, it's oh, kind of yeah. like people you know on Facebook and you don't know them anywhere else. And you, then you meet them and you feel like you're already friends because you've seen their pictures, their graduations or whatever. You know? Right. It's like when they see you, you can't do that when you're in a car. The other thing is I love New Orleans. It's my favorite place in the world. I can't even go to the suburbs. When I go out to the mall, like my, you know, drag me out there to the Apple store or something, get my computer fixed. Like it takes me a week to recover. I'm traumatized. You know? Well, the only time in the suburbs that people see each other is Halloween. That's right. That's (laughs) the only time you talk to your neighbors. Yeah. 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 But but I mean, what happens is when I get a car, I've left New Orleans. Now I'm in a pod traveling through New Orleans. I'm looking at it through the window. You know. Mm. And you know, I don't want to be doing that. You don't experience it. Yeah. I mean, here's the other thing. Sit down one time and watch. You know, like I, I sat down in front of a coffee shop about a year ago with my buddy who was arguing with me about this, and we started counting. And it's literally 90 to 95% of all the cars that pass you are either one passenger or a passenger with a baby in the back that they're not talking to, you know? And it's like, you know, everybody's by themselves. And it's like between working and sleeping and all the other tasks you have to do and your errands, there's so much little time you have left to actually build relationships. Then you're moving every seven years. And and it's like, it's like, how are you ever going to make friends if you waste all your time in the car, you know, another two hours a day, you know? Divorce rates are higher because of the car. Kids are kids are running off and getting pregnant or whatever because of the car because they didn't talk to their parents. <laughs> Henry <know>? Ford. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah, Henry, Henry Ford. Ford. He really is. <laughs> wow. <laughs> this is this is why we're a lonely people. Yeah. This is why we're a lonely a lonely yeah. people. One last question: Like, what would you say? Wrapping all of this together, the Elvises, the the ministry you've done, fixing houses to eating in every restaurant. What would you say to the like the average, let's say, Christian person listening to this podcast? What are some things that they can do in their life to to live in a way that's that's you know in a post Christian society, which yeah. you're very much in the midst of there? Um, what what's a way what's a way they can live more fully? to show the love of Christ or to let people know, um, you know, about the kingdom of God. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, I think, you know, if you love the kingdom of God, if you love God, it's going to show and it's going to come up in the way that you live your life. And what you just need to do is invite people into your life more. You know, the problem is we're so privatized. We just keep, you know, we we just want to keep our distance from each other. And, and we want to keep our privacy, but we can't have relationships and privacy. We can't have both. we got to give up some of our privacy. we got to give up some of that, you know. And so to me, it's like find the things that you love, pursue those things, and invite people to participate in those things with you. Hmm. And that may mean move, you know, moving, for example, right? Like, like we bought our house where we did. We could have gotten a bigger house if we had lived 20 minutes away, you know. But we decided to live where we are because we, we valued – 
being around people and walkability more than we valued, you know, the size of our home. Okay. And I think, you know, even in the suburbs or wherever, you can find every any community you're in, you can find a place to be, you know, find where, where people, where you can interact with people and, and move there too, you know? I mean, move it's a little good. closer to that. And spend, just get, just the other thing is get off your couch and get out of your car. If, yeah. if people <laughs> just did that, you know? Yeah, right. Yep. Just did that, you would have a lot more friends. You'd have you, your witness would be would be tenfold of what it is if you just were intentional about not spending time by yourself in front of a TV cool. ever. You know, well, hey, that's awesome stuff. Good stuff. Hey Ray, we want to play a little game with you, okay? Yes. All right. So here, uh, here we go. We're uh, we're gonna play this little game. We call it Ten Bad Questions. <laughs> so these are just ten bad questions, random questions, and we want you to say and whatever. Be yourself, Ray. Be yourself, and whatever <laughs> Speak freely, whatever, whatever comes out comes out. Yeah, whatever comes to your mind, answer the question, and we'll go from there. All right. All right. All right. So here we go. Cue the music. That's all in post production. <laughs> but cue the music, and uh, here we go. It. Ten bad questions with Hollywood Ray Kanata, Doctor Reverend. Whatever the right, the right Reverend Ray Kanata. Here we go on this episode of Ten Bad Questions. All right, here we go, Ray. Question number one: If you had to eat in any city but New Orleans, what one would it be, and what are you ordering? Oh man! All right, first thing that hit my that went in my mind is back to New York and just New York Italian. I miss veal parmesan. I just uh, want to get some really that they have it here, but it's just not the exact same flavor. And I just man, I, I think about it every single day when I go there. I eat it three meals a day and piss off all my friends because they don't want, they want to take me to their favorite restaurants. I just want to go to the best corner deli and get the veal parm every meal. All right, Ray. Number two, which one would you rather rock? Belt-bottom jeans or stone-washed jeans? <laughs> oh, wow. All right, I guess bell-bottom. I'm going with bell-bottom. Oh, nice. Wow, rocking the 70s bell-bottoms. 70s bell-bottoms. I could see you walking down the streets wearing those. I actually sweet. have a couple Sansa belt pants I break out every once in a Sanzibel, while. Sansa yeah. Ooh. Wow. Man, nice. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> he's, our, he's our millennial. <laughs> he's our millennial. He has no clue. Sansa belt means without a belt. Were, <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I know. Oh, okay. It's elastic right. waist. It's elastic uh, waist. I wasted Ooh, nice. It's like mom nice. jeans, kind of. <laughs> mom yeah, jeans. exactly. <laughs> All right, question number three. If you could run your fingers, we ask this question every every every, every guest 10 bag gets questions. this question. If you could run your fingers through Donald Trump's hair or Joel Osteen's hair, which one would you choose and <laughs> oh, why? Oh, easily Donald Trump because I want to. I want to find out, like, where, where's the bald spot? Like, what is he hiding up there? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> me too. It's, it's pretty, you, you know what you're going to get. You're just going to get a handful of, uh, of, of hair gel, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Donald, Donald, Donald's starting hair to get plugs. a lead. Donald's yeah, starting I to get just, a pretty big lead now. He is. All right, number four, Ray. Hipsters or hippies? Oh, definitely hippies. <laughs> Why hippies? Oh, man. Because I don't like hipsters. <laughs> hipsters are hipsters are like new urbanism is to urbanism. It's fake. You know, it's 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 yeah. uh, it's too self aware. It bothers me. And they're skinny. If I, jeans. if I ever leave New Orleans, it's gonna be because the hipsters push me out. Wow, <laughs> they, that's a they discovered. Jeans. Fortunately, they discovered a different neighbor than mine. But every once in a while, I see one in my neighborhood. We need to have this kind of alert so we can segregate them into like you know, like zombies. <laughs> oh, we're getting there. That's All right, a- so uh, so hipsters and their skinny jeans <laughs> can go. All right, yeah. uh, number five. If you were elected president of the United States, what is one random law that you're changing? Oh, no no, uh, no hot dogs. <laughs> oh, no. I That's walked nice. into that one. That was easy. Yeah. No more hot dogs. They are banned. Well, all right. I'll give you another one. No mayonnaise. <laughs> what yeah. is it? Well, you, you, there should be a minister of mayonnaise that you can you can run it by because under under certain circumstances, mayonnaise is acceptable. But, but really, there really no. needs to be some kind of boundaries put on mayonnaise. <laughs> okay, no mayonnaise. I like it. All right. Yeah. All right, number six. All right, number six. If you had to listen to one Elvis song for the rest of your life, which one would it be? Oh, man. Uh... Damn, I like the dance that I do for a little less conversation, so we'll, we'll just say that. It's not my favorite Elvis song. That's All Right Mama is the best one. All right, I'm going to say That's All Right Mama. Which oh. one? That's All Right Mama. That's All Right Mama. All right, Mama. Okay. all right, cool. All right, number question seven. number seven. What is the coolest thing you ever wore to preach in? Coolest thing I ever wore to preach? Yeah. Yep. Speak the oh, gospel. Man. Oh, man. Well, okay, I'll tell you. I know. All right, so I have. I wear a collar every week. And um, I have one that my friend made me out of a Western, like, um, it's uh, their diamond-shaped pearl snaps. Nice. (laughs) Nice. Yes. And so he, uh, (laughs) so it has that with a collar. That's kind of cool. Nice. I I, I thought it was going to be an Elvis jumpsuit. (laughs) Oh, yeah, wait. 
No, I haven't preached in the Elvis jumpsuit. I oh. did a wedding in Elvis jumpsuit, but I haven't preached That's in close it. enough. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> All right, number eight. All right, uh, Ray, when was the last time you did the Macarena? Uh, never. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Macarena. Hey, Macarena. Uh, oh, so never. Yeah, I think that's right. <laughs> All right, Ray, number nine. Where would you go to survive the zombie apocalypse, and what is your weapon of choice? This is another one of our favorite questions. Um, I'm, uh, I can't say who it is because you get mad at me. I have a friend who's got a compound. I would go to the compound for sure. Do I know this friend? Uh, no, but, but yeah, but I don't want to be saying his name on the radio. He'll they, they would ruin his whole compound. Oh, that's is true. It John Price. It, it's a hidden one. Well, I'm not going to no. say. Okay, so you're going to your friend's uh, compound, compound, and what's your weapon of choice? Uh, definitely a shotgun. Yeah, shotgun. I'm a bad shot, but it's like they're, they're <laughs> anywhere. <laughs> you pretty much just point and shoot. Right. Very All good. right. Last one. Number last, ten. Last one, Ray. Uh, do either of these exist? Aliens or Bigfoot? Uh, I don't believe Bigfoot because I think we would have found a corpse by now. <laughs> it's, they always pull me in on those specials when they were like, oh, we found these tracks or whatever. I'm like, yeah, but bottom line is sooner or later we would have found a dead Bigfoot yeah, somewhere. Yeah, where's the dead Bigfoot? They, they bury their Never own. Seen one. Never seen one. <laughs> John, John's already, John has a conspiracy theory. That's right. He believes they bury their own. They bury their own. What about they the aliens? Do you believe oh. in those? Aliens, I'd say it's about a 1% chance. Yeah, it's a chance. I'm open to it. <laughs> All right, that was 10 Sweet. Bad Questions with Hollywood Ray Kanata. Hey, Ray, oh, thanks so cool. much for being a guest here on Post Christian Pastors. Best time I've ever had in my entire life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Except right when you're there. dressing up hey, as Elvis. Hey, hey, hey Ray, we, dressed as Elvis right now. Right now? Doing this. Did he say that? Yeah. We'd be remiss uh, if we didn't let you uh, do a little uh, self-promotion. I know that you've got a few things that you'd probably like to promote. You want to oh, do a man. little shout out? Yes. Okay. So buy my book Rooted because I only have to sell about 300,000 more copies to be able to get my son through college. <laughs> so that would be really awesome if you do that. I get like a nickel a book. So that would be great. <laughs> a nickel um, book. Nice. Rooted. Feed the kids. Uh, I think John's read it. He likes it. Yes, I have read it. it. I've actually used it for a sermon series. It was really good. Cool. And then... Uh, well, same thing for uh, for KRE Confidential, too. That has not been selling that well. I think I've sold about 40 copies of that so far. <laughs> That's the Rolling Elvis book. Yes. <laughs> That's the Rolling Elvi book. And yeah. what about a website or anything like that? Uh, I don't even know what our church's website is. It's a really <laughs> website. I have no clue. I uh, forgot. You walk everywhere. so He's a Luddite. Yeah, I'm kind of a Luddite. Nice. But yeah, I think it's www.redeemernola.com. Nice. But you that. have an Apple computer, so... Yeah, I do. I yeah, do. Cool. So I'm, I'm a bad Luddite. <laughs> so, Ray, great to meet you. Thanks for thanks for being with us. We're really excited about you being on today, and it's been great. And uh, thanks for giving people a lot to think about. Thank you. Yeah. Right, thanks a lot, Ray. Ray. See you, All right, Ray. Bye-bye. All right, we will be back here in a moment on Post-Christian Pastors to wrap things up. Don't go anywhere. That was awesome. That was great. Something different. <laughs> I love how he can use that as an expression for uh, you know reaching out to the community because the community is eclectic, and so you yeah. have to be eclectic in order to minister to them. Right. So I mean that that was just awesome. A couple of different know. things I liked was uh, how he viewed Mardi Gras. That was different because yeah. you know most of us don't have that perspective on Mardi Gras, and and I I just liked how organic he was. It, yeah. It's just like. The basic things of the Christian faith of just getting to know people and loving people where they're at, and, and he just uh, epitomizes that. Yeah, I mean it's pretty amazing. Like just knowing Ray, I've known him for a few years now, and the fact that they, you know, they replanted this church, they've planted another church from it, hmm. and there's like no major like you know publicity there's no this no big like right he's just people to people right yeah it's just it's all organic it's all you know uh just ministering to people where they have need and you know and being willing to kind of walk that edge a little bit sometimes like right, yep. i mean now, i love this view on food that was kind of neat you can see they yeah. thought through what food is and the, the, the importance of food and why it was kind of neat this whole idea is value on people it's unbelievable mm-hmm. it's kind of neat to see I've, I've always said that the best ministry is done on the edge and i've always yeah. equated it to standing on the edge of the grand canyon and when you stand on the very edge of the grand canyon you have the best view 
you have the best view. If you don't get close enough to the edge, you can't take it all in. You don't have the best view. Now, sometimes we go too far and, and we go, in we go yeah. canyon right. And you go die. over the edge and we need grace and forgiveness for when we do go too far. Yep. But most people, I feel the bigger sin that most people make or the most, uh, the, the typical sin that people make is they don't get close enough mm. to the edge and they never meet the people that are on the edge. Mm. And so I think Ray is one of those guys who's on the edge in a good way. You know, he's holding on to the gospel He's holding on to Jesus, and that's when you're on the edge. You got to hold on to Jesus's hand and go. I'm afraid I'm going to fall over, and you got to hold on to me. and And so I think that's really cool. And I think yeah. he's reaching people that probably, if we went to his church, we would be like a lot of these people are people that most churches don't reach. Absolutely, right. yep. I agree. So cool. So that was a, a great episode, wrapping up uh, episode 11 here on post Christian pastors and. Um, Time to say goodbye here in a minute, guys. But before we do, I want to let you know about uh, our own John Price. Uh, John Price uh, just uh, contributed to a book that just came out. Nice. And uh, it's really good. I read your chapter in the Thanks. book, and it's really cool. And it's a great tell chapter. Us, tell us really quick the name of the book, where they can find it, because uh, sure. I think it's an important book. And we'll have this topic coming up here in the next couple months. We'll talk about this, but go ahead. Yeah, the book's name is Heal Us, Emmanuel. Uh, it's a call for uh, reconciliation, representation, and unity in the church. It's uh, 30, 30 pastors, professors, um, elders from various churches across the country, from you know, white, black, Asian, uh, Latino, Hispanic. I mean, all d- shapes and sizes, all shapes and sizes, uh, colors, so to speak, red, yellow, black, and white. We are precious in His sight. The Very whole, cool. the whole gamut. We got and, the picture. And so, uh, so pick it up. On so Amazon. pick it up. Yeah, Amazon. You can go Amazon. Uh, Hearts and Minds Books as well. Uh, is carrying it. So. Um, and I think a few other booksellers as well. But Hearts and Minds is yeah. wow, Very yeah, cool. nice. Well, good yeah. work, good work. Yeah, Byron Borger. Byron gave man. us a great review on it. So good work. Yeah. So Byron, listen to the podcast. Dude. Yeah, what are you doing? Byron is the man. Yes, he is. So if you know Byron, he's the man. He is. All right. Well, it's time to say goodbye. Hey, uh, just if you want to uh, let people know where to find us, we're on Facebook on Post Christian Pastors. If you want to interact with us there, we'd love to answer questions Absolutely. or anything else that you have. Or find out more information, please just write us on our Facebook page. Or even post. show ideas would be great. Yeah, that's yeah. What I'm show saying, ideas. Yeah. We'd love to have yeah. some show ideas or guest ideas. We would love to have that. Uh, you can find us there. You can find us on iTunes. Uh, we are about everywhere that you can download podcasts on Podbean. Do the app on your phone. A lot of people are downloading, and we're excited about that. And we try to make this interesting for you. So, thanks for being here with us, and uh, we will see you soon. Here on Post-Christian Pastors, time to say goodbye, guys. Peace out. Goodbye. Adios. And we are out like... Trout. Marvin Dodgeball. <laughs> I'm probably better First than you in Dodgeball. I'm going to challenge you in Dodgeball. Okay. All right. All right. I'll video it. Put it on the internet. <laughs> I played the video in my mind and I won. See you, everybody. <laughs> see ya. Bye. <laughs>